0: it's this sportscast, says in the yearbook at hotmail.com, that's to contact us, let's start off this podcast, sportscast, cut, let's start off this sportscast by saying I don't know the answer, we're going to reach no conclusions by the end of this podcast, We really, really like new University of Houston football coach Dana Holgerson. And this is not one of those, now, I like hot dog on a stick as much as the next guy. When you say, I like something as much as the next guy, that is a sure sign that you don't like hot dog on a stick. No, we really like Dana Holgerson. That's true. Think about it. We really like Dana Holgerson. He's one of those mad scientists type coaches with an interesting coaching style that you actually go out of your way to watch on TV and who we'd really love to see coach up close. Steve Spurrier was another one who we would have loved to see coach up close. Just a coach that always made us wonder, what's he thinking right now? What's he telling his players on the sideline? Just a quirky, interesting coach who wins. The winning is the important point in this episode because a lot of people are counting on Dana Holgerson to win big at Houston. And I can't tell if he can do it or not. There's no doubt Holgerson is smart. And there's no doubt he's a cutting edge and good coach. But is Holgerson a good enough head coach? Now, I'm not supposed to say this, but we always pulled for him to succeed at West Virginia, other schools called, where he was head coach of the Mountaineers from 2012 until last year. Now, ultimately, Holgerson succeeded at West Virginia, but not a lot. Was Holgerson not quite good enough, or is it obscenely tough to win at West Virginia? Again, there are no answers until Houston and West Virginia kick off this season, but not against each other. Although the Mountaineers lost to Oklahoma last season, appears to have convinced Holgerson he could never beat Oklahoma at West Virginia, prompting him to leave for Houston, where the Cougars opened their season on September 1st at Oklahoma. Okay, back to the point. West Virginia is a college football brand name. And you can see that. You see the logo all over the place. If you hang out at the pool, uh, you're going to see West Virginia logos uh, everywhere. So all that makes it easy to forget that no other state so small is home to a power conference football team. West Virginia has roughly the same number of people as Idaho, but Idaho's biggest team, Boise State, is well-known but is not in a wealthy conference. Montana is relatively close in population, it's in the neighborhood, but its two powerhouses are at the 1AA level. I know it's called FCS. Now, 1AA is now called FCS, but the heck with that. We can actually tell. We can actually tell the difference between the University of Montana and Texas A&M University without having to have it spelled out by a dumb abbreviation. And we can also recognize without any help that there's plenty of good football and good football players at the 1AA level. Anyway, It's easy to overlook behind seeing the West Virginia logo everywhere. It's easy to overlook that behind the blue and gold Mountaineers, there's only a small population. Wyoming called. We'd love to have three times as many people as we do to support our non-power conference, but big time football program. Now there's a team, YO, that needs a movie made about it, but not a documentary series. Don't get any funny ideas. Supposedly, HBO is right now talking about doing a Hard Knocks-style type series with a college football team as the subject, but the famed Hard Knocks behind-the-scenes all-access that is desperately needed probably won't be there at the college level, meaning it likely wouldn't be as interesting as it could be. There have been exceptions. Fox Sports did a great Fresno State basketball documentary. That was in the late 90s. So a smaller population means less money and not many local big-time players, which means more recruiting out-of-state, which means hard work convincing players to leave their homes for West Virginia. Just ask Wyoming how tough it is to keep out-of-state players at Wyoming. Just ask any college how tough it is to keep out-of-state players at that college. Every college has a program or every college has to deal with with homesickness. Now, WVU has always had challenging schedules, but winning as an independent or in the Big East was still easier than it has been in their new league since Holgerson arrived, the Big 12. The Big 12 means more travel and competing with two obscenely rich football programs in one obscenely talent-rich region of the country, Oklahoma and Texas. And WVU joined the Big 12 at a time when Texas was mostly down. But Baylor got dominant, TCU got good again, and Iowa State got good. So there weren't many easy wins. The Mountaineers have been this close, whether it seems like it or not, to a national title three times in the last 30 years, but none since they moved to the Big 12. If you look at it that way, WVU is a deceptively tough place to win big, and Holgerson consistently won. They beat every team except Oklahoma, even Texas. And given the situation, the Mountaineers could not have done much better. Or could they have? While losing to the top two teams in the league over and over is not what West Virginia ever has in mind, the Mountaineers' problems routinely went beyond losing to the top two teams in the league over and over. Holgerson had only one losing season, but except for one 10-win year in 2016— His winning seasons were all of the seven or eight wins variety. He lost to Oklahoma State five times, TCU four times, Kansas State four times, Iowa State twice, Texas Tech twice, and Baylor, erroneously pronounced Baylor by our producer, twice. Again, all those teams are good, but West Virginia matches up favorably with all of them and couldn't lock down any of them. A bowl loss is are tricky in college football because unlike with college basketball's postseason, football teams finish their seasons and then have 186 days off before their bowl game, plenty of time to get rusty or just lose interest. Still, West Virginia won only one bowl game with Holgerson, and several of those games were winnable. All those losses add up, and they did, mostly to the tune of five or six losses a season. The point is, it seems like the Mountaineers could have done at least a little better. But could they have? These are the questions that only actual kickoffs will answer. So, Holgerson went all the way to a promising Houston team to avoid Oklahoma, which now opens this season against Houston. Well, inside West Virginia's new media guide, there's a nice looking graphic of a Mountaineers player in full uniform scaling a mountain with the caption climb, which you would think, especially considering last year was West Virginia's best shot at a championship, means new coach Neil Brown, who's on the cover of the guide, is starting over somewhat. And that's where we are. We really do like Dana Holgerson. He's a character, and we absolutely hope he succeeds. Other teams called, but is he more suited to be a coordinator or no? The NFL and everyone else, the public that allegedly wants pass interference calls to be totally correct every single time is really asking for it with this year's rules and only this year's rules so far, allowing officials to review pass interference. The Saints were completely ripped off in last year's playoffs and likely would have made the Super Bowl had the Rams been called for an obvious pass interference and pretty obvious helmet-to-helmet shot in the NFC Championship game. The Chiefs also likely would have made the Super Bowl, but they were correctly flagged for being offsides on the opposite side of the field on a supposed Super Bowl-clinching interception against the Patriots. This in no way diminishes the Patriots' greatness, but recall that they were that close, an offside call to losing the AFC Championship game, and we were all this close to seeing the Saints play the Chiefs. The Saints absolutely should be angry, and there unfortunately is no answer. But reviewing pass interference is not the answer. Unlike baseball's endlessly debated strike zone, where there are rulebook descriptions of exactly what it's supposed to look like, pass interference is almost completely a judgment call. The reason is, if you stuck to the letter of the law, pass interference would be called on every play, just like holding would be called on every play. Grabbing, hand fighting, arm bars, incidental contact, and how much of it is going on exactly, and when, every play and situation is different. And when you slow it down on replay, then everything's going to look like interference. At some point this season, someone on the rules committee is going to be running laps. What should have been done was nothing. Or test the rules somewhere else first, like baseball is doing with Trackman, which should be an umpire jersey wearing mini fridge on wheels with robot arms that sits behind the plate and calls balls and strikes and gets kicked over by players. Although we don't want to see any of the umpires lose their jobs. Instead, It's a big reflective silver square with some mysterious bright dots on it plugged into the overhang and ignored by the crowd below at Atlantic League and Independent Baseball Conference stadiums. Whether football's Atlantic League exists or not is kind of open to your interpretation. Does the Northern Elite Football League have the infrastructure to test new rules? But the NFL could have asked to test it in a semi-pro league or one of the arena leagues. Instead, we're all going to be running laps. Do we say it says in the yearbook at hotmail.com to contact us, and it's available wherever you find your podcast. This is the yearbook. Now people in public are asking us whether Liberty Mutual and their Limu Emu ripped us off. Now people are actually approaching us unprompted and asking that. If you look at this podcast cover art, which debuted years before the commercials, the biggest difference is Liberty Mutual, Doug, has hair and also knows more about sports and lest we forget the st louis blues are still stanley cup champions the blues all that colorful history but never being good enough but the blues the first players in history on that team to get unposterized the blues are actually champions